moment and praise Him with us. Hallelujah, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you and adore you. God, we lift up our hands and clap our hands. God, we magnify you, Lord. You're worthy. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Amen. If you're joining us online, thank you. It's good to see you there as well. I'm going to direct your attention to the book of Psalms. We're going to go to Psalm 127. I'll read these five verses and then pray and you can be seated. If you're a first-time guest with us today, thank you for coming. We're glad you're here. We honor you and bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Psalm 127. It's a song of degrees of or for Solomon. And the word of the Lord tells us, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, a heritage, excuse me, lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As Arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. For just a little while this morning in our first half, I'm going to treach on this topic, under construction. Amen. Under construction. Let us pray. Father, let the living word preach the written word today and make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Open our understanding that we might comprehend the scripture. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we pray all of this and believe all of this and expect all of this in the mighty, majestic, marvelous name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you believe it, would you shout amen? amen. Clap your hands and bless the Lord. He's worthy. <laughs> Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. The inscription in Psalm 127 indicates, of course, that Solomon wrote this psalm. In addition to it being a song of ascent, a song of degree, some of the motifs of this psalm resemble wisdom psalms that would stand to reason being one coming from Solomon. In fact, some scholars believe that Nehemiah would have used Psalm 127 to inspire and to unite the remnant in helping him to labor in the rebuilding of Jerusalem. For Psalm 127 highlights God's providence and proves that without God building, guarding, resting, shaping, directing, and releasing, that all of these would be done in vain. Psalm 127 reveals that God alone is worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. And like Proverbs, Psalm 127 contrasts God's blessings with the futility of living without Him. The wisdom principles contained 
in this psalm are timeless and relevant to every generation. As the pilgrims would sing this song of ascent and make their way back up to Jerusalem, they were reminded that with God, nothing was impossible. Yet, without God, they were helpless and hopeless. In each of the three points that I'm about to bring to you that God gave me to share with you today, I'm going to use the suffix ing to indicate the ongoing aspect of each one of these, thus my title, Under Construction. Let me say this. We must never get to a place or reach a place where we cannot improve. The Bible says we are to deny ourselves, take up our crosses daily, and follow Jesus. That's in Luke 9, 23. The fact that Jesus said daily reveals that we will be under construction until we die in the faith or He returns whichever comes first. Amen. Brother Sal told me the other day he's been in the church since 1977. 44 years he's been in the church. And yet he continuously studies the Bible and journals what he discovers and will come into my study or tell me, wow, look what I've discovered. Look what I've found. In other words, Brother Sal, you may have retired from physical employment, but according to Luke 9, 23, you're not retiring from spiritual development. Someone once asked me, when does discipleship end? I said, well, when you hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's when it's over. We must constantly be growing. So again, let me say it this way. You may retire from physical employment one day, but you must never retire from spiritual development. And with that, let's launch into our three main points today. The first is coming from verse 1, and I want to talk about building and guarding. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. The word keep there means to guard. So what it's really saying here is, is not that God is going to pick up the tools and, and physically build the home or physically guard uh, the, the place. What it's saying that any attempt to do these things on your own without God is futile. In other words... Is God an option in your life? Or is He truly first in your life? I believe the problem we have in the American church is that we have options. We've got banks we can go to. We've got hospitals we can go to. We've got attorneys we can go to. We've got all kinds of other things that we can lean on and lean on our own understanding. Why do we need God? If you ever wonder why sometimes in, in some of these remote third world type of countries why massive miracles happen all the time, it's because they don't have any other option. We have options. I think, to be honest with you, that the American dream has eroded apostolic vision. But I think we can come back from that and restore apostolic vision 
and put God in his rightful place. Amen. In Psalm 121 verse 4, the psalmist reminds us that God keeps or guards or protects Israel. You can have the best security system available if you want to, but if God is not your protector, it is in vain. And that's what this psalm is saying. It's not saying don't have a a system. It's not saying don't save your money. It's not saying don't do these things. It's saying make sure God is supreme, superior, and number one in your life. That's what it's saying. Is God the center of your life? That's the question being asked. And if He's not, then what is the center of your life? The Bible tells us God is a jealous God. Now that's a word that can be misunderstood if we think of jealous according to Merriam-Webster or some other collegiate American English dictionary. But in the Hebrew and as it pertains into the Greek, what it means to be a jealous God means He's Zealous. It actually means he is intensely devoted to us, not insanely possessive. He does not want to to be one of your favorites. Wants to be your only. In fact, he wants to be Lord of all. Jesus wants his church to be a bride, not a roommate. Not just a girlfriend. Amen? In fact, if he is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. Because he will not play the game of, oh, okay, Monday you're going to serve that God. Okay, that's great. You can, God of wealth, you can serve that God on Monday. I'll just wait till you come back around on Sunday. No, God's not going to do that. It's why what we do here on Sunday or Wednesday has to extend to who we are daily. And if it doesn't, then our Christianity is is hypocritical. Well, I know I'm not going to get a whole bunch of shoutings and runnings the aisles on that one and swinging from the chandeliers. We don't even have a chandelier. Amen. But, but But I do know this. It may be tight, but it's right. Well, well, well. Can I tell you, we are living way too close to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to be playing games with our salvation. I mean, we shouldn't anyway, period. But the closer we get and the the closer this world races toward the rapture, you better believe we better be ready. Amen. 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 So why don't we put our complete trust in God alone and labor for his kingdom? Amen. Verse 2, I want to use the word resting to make the point of verse 2. Look at verse 2 for me, with me, excuse me. Psalm 127, verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Work is necessary. We must provide for ourselves. We must provide for our family. Those are biblical uh, uh, things. But overworking is not wise. You know, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not really that bright. If you've put too many irons in your fire, you've actually and risk putting the fire out. Our bodies have a way of keeping score. 
And, and, and if we're not careful, we'll overwork ourselves to the place that, why am I having these health issues? Oh, boys. Lord, help me to stay in your spirit and not mine right now, Jesus. I believe God can heal anything. I've seen God heal tons of things. But I wonder if some of our stuff we couldn't heal on ourselves. And I'm not taking away from God. What I mean is, I wonder if we just got the sleep we needed, if it might help us. Well, I know that's not popular. I'm sorry. Hey, you want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise? No, you don't want that fluff either, do you? You want the truth. And, and, and sometimes the truth is that we've got to, to, to pause and to slow down. In Psalm 121, verse 4, the psalmist said, Behold, he that keeps Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. When you combine that with Psalm 127, verse 2, which says that he giveth his beloved sleep, when you combine those together, you realize that God wants to give you rest. When I was praying about this message and typing up my notes and following the leading of the Holy Spirit, God reminded me of something. I feel the Holy Ghost here, so I want you to zone in with me here. I know this is first half. I know this is, this is you know, the teaching aspect, the part of our, but, but God's about to do something right here, right now. So I want you, to, want you to get on the same page with me in the Holy Ghost here. There was a, a number of years ago. I was sitting about, about where Brother Terry is in, in the church that we were in. It was in Illinois. And the preacher gets up and he says, somebody needs peace about something in their life right now. If you'll get out in the aisle and, and kneel before the Lord, your maker, God's going to give you peace. I just, okay, I needed peace. There was something I was dealing with. I stepped right out and knelt down. And the minute I did, I began to feel the overwhelming peace of God just surround me and comfort me begin to feel his presence and God began to move into my life there were others too that were praying but it was a zone for me at that moment as I'm as I'm praying and typing and studying these notes and what God would say the Lord began to speak to me there's some people that need some rest your maker Never sleeps nor slumbers, but you're up all night worrying. You're, you're tossing and turning and, and things are bothering you. And the enemy's trying to keep you awake. How many want God to give you some peace? How many want God to give you some, some rest? Here, here about a couple of months ago, I felt the Holy Ghost speak to me. And I prophesied that there was going to be some, some better sleep patterns. And, and some of you have testified that God has begun to, begin to touch you. And you've slept better. And, but I believe God wants to do a complete work. Is there anybody that wants God to give you some rest? I know some of you just raise your hand. Raise it again. Anybody needs some peace? I wonder if you would do what that preacher asked me to do. Would you just get out in your aisle? You don't have to come up front. Just wherever you are, get into the aisle and just kneel down before the Lord your maker and say, God, I surrender to you. I worship you right now. I need peace in my life. I need rest. Come on. Come on. There's obedience taking place in this room right now. Lord, on the authority of your word, on the authority of your name and your 
your name alone. I loose your peace to overwhelm and consume your people. God, I loose the peace of God to touch hearts, lives, to minister to souls right now. I speak the peace of God over minds, over hearts right now. I release the Spirit of the Lord to cause rest to come upon these that this night and every night would begin a, a pattern of good, healthy sleep. In the name of Jesus, you never sleep nor slumber, Jesus. So we need you to cause us to rest. And you are the Sabbath rest. You are the rest wherein the weary find rest. In the name of Jesus, I speak over situations in homes, over financial matters, over family matters, over marital matters. I speak over those things, the peace of God right now. Hallelujah. 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 Now, I want you just stay where you're at praying, but I want you to begin to thank the Lord. Just begin to thank Him for the peace that you've prayed for. Thank Him. You may not feel a single goosebump. You may not have shed a single tear, but I want you to thank God for the peace that is coming right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we don't operate on emotions. We operate on truth and spirit. And right now, Your peace is released and we thank You for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. Come on, the gift of faith, the gift of he gifts of healings, the, the, the gift of miracles is operating right now. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I want to I speak to what just happened here for just a moment. The Lord is moving, but, but we're going to speak to this and just flow with the Holy Ghost for a minute here. Is that all right? You stepped out in faith. You stepped out on obedience. And let me tell you what God does when you obey His Word. Peter didn't know if it was going to work or not. He had fished all night long. Brother Matt, he was a, a skilled fisherman. And Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. Well, the, the, the logic of that is like, well, it's the same water over there as this over here. <laughs> you know? But in obedience, he said, okay, Lord, that's your word. I'll let down the net. Can I tell you, Peter didn't have faith, but he had obedience. And when he let down the net, all of a sudden, boom, the boat began to sink. There was not a single shred of faith at Lazarus' tomb. But when they obeyed and rolled the stone away, God did a miracle. And so you obeyed, you stepped out, uh, and whether or not you felt a goosebump, whether or not you felt anything run up and down your shoulders or back, the Holy Ghost moved into this room and said, you're obeying, and watch what I'm going to do.
And, and I'm going to tell you how I believe it. I expect God to do what he just said he would do. And I'm going to leave the results up to him. Is that all right? I wonder if one more time we can lift our hands and thank the Lord. Come on, the Holy Ghost is in this place right now. Glory! Jesus! You're my rest. You're my peace. Mm. I'm going to just, you can be seated for me. I want to build your faith. I remember a night my wife was suffering with some, some massive headaches. It would, it would keep her up. It would, it would just pain. And we prayed and God did a miracle. I, she's had a couple minor ones here and there since. But, but I don't know how many years. It's 12, 13, 14 years. Amen. God has, has kept that away from her. I believe tonight. Today, rather, you're going to be able to mark a moment, to mark a spot where God did something. Alicia, remember that spot right there. Amen. Mark it in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come on, some of the rest of you, mark where you were because a month from now and two months from now, you're going to remember this day and you're going to be able to say, I was kneeling right there, Sister Nancy. I felt something move upon me. This is the spot where it all changed. Oh, hallelujah. I'm way off my notes now, but I feel the Holy Ghost ministering to some people. Amen. God is telling you to mark the spot. Mark that moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Can we just thank him again one more time? Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you. Oh, hallelujah. I speak Jesus over your situation. In our second half, one of the songs they're singing is, I speak Jesus. Amen. When, when they sing that, I want you to declare it over your life. Whatever you were praying about, whatever things, if it's multiple you were praying about, I want you to speak Jesus over your situation. Amen. Kennedy, you may not get a preach second half. We might have a blowout. So just get ready, brother. Amen. Amen. Elder Kennedy's on, on uh, cue for today. Amen. He's in the lineup, but, but, you know, who knows what might happen. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mark this moment. Amen. I told you about mine. If that church building is still there, I could take it. It's in Granite City. I could take you there. I could show you where it is. I don't know if they've changed the building or moved or whatever, but if it's the same building, I could take you to, again, it was about halfway back right there in that church. I was 19 years old. It's a moment. It's a time when I can go back and point to. Mark your moment because you're going to remember this day as God has done a miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The rest of the psalm is, is encompassed in shaping and directing and releasing. Verses 3 through 5 deal with this. And again, the same essence is true. If, if God is not doing it, then... It won't be done. But also, if God does do it, then the efforts you do will be blessed. Think about it this way. If I try to do it my way, I will fail. I might have some measure of success. Okay? But I'll ultimately fail. But if I do it God's way, I'll not only succeed here, I'll succeed in eternity. So the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to just succeed 
temporarily in this life, or do you want to succeed eternally? Because if you want to succeed eternally, you'll also succeed in this life. But if you only want to succeed temporally, you won't succeed eternally. Think of the parable of the man who built bigger barns. And the Lord came and says, you fool, this night your soul's required of you. You've not laid up treasure in heaven. You've got all these big barns. You've succeeded down here, but you have nothing of value there. The church of Laodicea was the same way. They were rich and increased with goods. They said church on the sign. They had enough money in the, in, in the you know, bank account to do what they wanted to do. But there was no spirit of God. There was no power of God. In fact, Jesus was on the outside knocking to get in. And he said to them, you think you're, you're rich and increased with goods. I say to you, poor, blind, wretched, miserable, and naked. And so they, they might have had temporal success. Earthly success, but they had no eternal success. And so if you'll, if you'll let God do what he's good at and trust in him and put him first, then the things that you do will be blessed by him. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, verse 3. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children, uh, children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now such verses as this sometimes seem irrelevant to those who are single or those who have no children. But let me first remind you that 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture, all, I'm going to repeat that, all Scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Next, let me also boldly and clearly state that not everyone is supposed to get married. And not all married couples are able to have children. So how does this passage apply to those individuals? Well, here's how it applies. Because while it does start in the home with a mom, a dad, etc., it also extends to the church in discipleship. Because every born-again believing adult can invest in someone else. And we're all called to be disciple makers. There are people in our children's ministry right now that are either single or do not have children and are helping children. They're pouring into. And there are those that even have their own children that are pouring into other children. Does that make sense? And so every one of us as disciple makers can invest in someone else. So we can apply this from a prophetical sense, you might say. The practical, of course, is the home. Mom, dad, and kids. But the prophetical is any situation in which you are investing or pouring into people. You're teaching a Bible study to someone. You're, in, you're pouring into them and, and loving them. You're modeling and mentoring them. You're, you're, you're discipling them. You're helping them. Does that make sense? Okay. So he, he likens these children, these, these individuals that are, that are being poured into as arrows in a quiver. Well, arrows must be shaped, they must be directed, and they must be released. Now, you have to understand, there was no shields in Psalm 127 that the psalmist 
where the warriors could go and buy a bunch of arrows at. Okay? There was no factory that, that, that made arrows, you know, and, and they were sharp and straight and all that. The warriors themselves had to take branches, whittle them down, and make the arrows themselves. Okay? And there were skilled persons who could do this, but, but it wasn't mass production. It took time. So an arrow must be shaped. Well, think of this. That child or that believer or that person you're investing in, it's going to take time. Discipleship is spelled T-I-M-E. I know it's, you know, D-I whatever, but it's, it's T-I-M-E. It's, it's going to take time. Okay? Here, here's the problem. We live in a society where we want to put our, you know, $5 bill in, E5, and pull out our candy bar. You know, it's, it's not that. There's no quick fix to building, you know, the kingdom of God. It's doing it God's way. And it takes time. Yes, God can multiply. Yes, God can add daily. And I'm not taken away from that. But what I'm saying is there is time and effort that goes into. I said this to somebody this morning. And I'll say this to every parent. But I'll also say it to everybody. If I could sum up life in one word, it's consistency. If you're married, be consistent. Love your spouse. If you have children, love them. If it's wrong today, it needs to be wrong tomorrow. If it's right today, it needs to be right tomorrow. Okay? If you're single, be consistent. If you, you, know, you got a job and you're giving your tithe and offering, be consistent. You're teaching people the Bible study. You're helping out. Be consistent. Consistency is the key. Well, I'm, I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. I'm so far off. <laughs> Amen. Good thing I've got them, though, just in case, right? The Bible says that if, if we train up a child the way they should go, when they're older, they'll not depart from it. That's Proverbs 22, 6. By the way, that's a proverb, not a promise. <sighs> Let me explain. If you'll do the effort, what it's saying is, is when they're older... Even if they stray, they won't forget. So can I just speak right now in the Holy Ghost to some parents that are wondering, is your kids getting it? They are. I'll never forget the day. Braxton, if you're watching, I love you. I'm getting ready to use you. Preacher's kids get used all the time. Brooklyn's here in person, so I can't use her, so got to use you. I'll never forget the day, Shannon. But it's never stopped me before, right? But it will today. But, but I'll never forget the day where something Shannon and I had taught Braxton, he starts repeating back to us. And we're on the phone looking at each other like, he's getting it. Yeah! Woo! Finally! Listen to me. That's what this proverb is saying. If you'll train them up in the way they should go, when they move out of the home, if it's a Bible study, if you'll train them in the way they should go, when they're on their own, they'll not depart. What they're saying is, is they'll not depart from understanding what that way means. And even if they backslide, even if they walk over here for a little bit, they're never going to forget. Like that prodigal, he woke up and realized, it's better, servants have it better in my dad's house. I'm going back. What compelled him to go back wasn't just the fact that servants had it better what compelled him was, I think there's some consistency back at dad's house. And if I can just get back to dad's house. And that's what this verse is saying. Proverbs 22, 6. 
Amen? Amen. You see, it's more than just running them through six months of elements and saying, Woo, you graduated. Good job. No, it's a lifestyle of biblical instruction, moral correction, firm discipline, and loving affirmation. Arrows must also be directed. Now, there, there was this fellow that had a farm and a big old barn. And one day this salesman was coming out to sell something. And he noticed on the barn that every arrow was dead center bullseye. He goes, man, whoever this guy is, he's a marksman. And so he says to him, he says, hey, before I try to sell you my product here, he says, I noticed your barn, man. There's not a single arrow that's not dead center bullseye. How do you do it? And the old fellow says, well, pretty easy. I just shoot the arrow. And he's like, man, this guy's humble, you know. He said, well, can you show me? He goes, yeah, sure. So he goes out and he gets his bows and arrows. Funk. The guy's like, wait a minute, there's nothing there. And he goes over and picks up a can of paint. And he paints a bullseye. <laughs> well, that's, that's not how you direct. How many of you ever heard the phrase, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time? Okay, well, directing is, is pointing in a specific place, okay? It's done through modeling and mentoring. This is the way to do it. But then letting them do it. And, and if I can just add this, letting them also learn from their mistakes. Sometimes that's a better teacher, okay? All right, I don't have time to give all this. You're just going to have to trust me. Arrows then must also be released. They've got to be shaped. They've got to be directed. And they have to be released. That's the only way victory is guaranteed. If the warriors hold the arrows, we got a bunch of arrows! They're not going to win the battle. But if they release them, if they're pointing and releasing, right? Okay. Well, just as a parent raises their child... And releases them. And just as a, a, a new believer is taught the word of God and released and becomes a seasoned saint, we have to then release them and let them also. That's where multiplication comes from. Okay? Discipleship is a process that never ends. Because once the arrow is released, it starts all over again. Because they go and start discipling and you start discipling. Does that make sense? Did you know everyone is called to the greater reality of being a disciple maker. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. That's not just to the fivefold ministry. That's to everyone. God calls all of us to be disciple makers. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, the Bible says, Therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. And are built upon. The phrase there actually indicates that you're being built upon. It's an ongoing process. The foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Look at verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth. ETH in the King James indicates the, what we would say ING. It's that ongoing process of growing. Unto an holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. 
So what this verse is saying is, is that you've got to keep growing. You've got to keep that process of development. You've got to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know there's not a single verse that says we graduate? Yes, we're going to hear him say, well done. That's when we graduate. You know, Connor, where are you? Oh, he's in class. I forgot. Connor's in class. Connor graduated. We heard his name announced. We heard his degree type announced. And we saw them hand it to him and get the picture there at Baxter Arena. He graduated with his bachelor's. He has finished that phase of his life. He might go on to get another bachelor's. He might go on to get a master's. I don't know what his plans are. But I know this. That part he did graduate. But us, we don't graduate. We continue to learn. Yes, we grow. Yes, we develop. Yes, we become more mature in Christ. But the point is, we keep growing. I've been preaching 34 years. I don't ever want to get to a place where I'm like, well, I've preached before. I don't need notes anymore. I don't need the Bible anymore. I don't need to pray anymore. God forbid. Brother Sal, it inspires me when I see you got your Bible open and, and you're studying and you're journaling. I want to be that. I want to study well. In a, I'll never forget the year I went to a general board meeting and one of our, our esteemed elders, he used to be the global missions director, uh, Brother Sism, and, and he's sitting there, I think he's 80 some years old, sitting there on the front row when all of us are just talking. Hey, how's it going, man? How you doing, dude? He's over there studying his Bible and reading. I'm like, oh my word. Talk about convicting Never want to get to a place where, oh, I've read it a hundred times, I don't need to read it anymore. We're always growing. We're always developing. We're under construction. And I want God to work on me. Better to be embarrassed down here where I have time to deal with it. Better that God exposes my pride or bitterness or hatred. Come on. Better that it's exposed here where I can find an altar and deal with it than to just think I'm okay and hear Jesus say, I never knew you. I don't want to hear that. And so I want to I go back to the drawing board and make sure I'm, I'm doing it right. Make sure everything is Okay, Lord, are we, are we on the same page in the same book here? Because if not, I need to get on your page on your book. Amen. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't he wonderful? Why don't we stand to our feet today? The purpose of being under construction, of growing, learning, building, striving, pursuing, enduring, all those INGs, is that we know the truth and love it wholeheartedly. Living for God is not a checklist or a bucket list. It's a daily relationship. My wife and I have been married 20 years as of this past October. Can I just speak to the husbands for a minute? Don't ever stop dating your wife. Okay? Wives, don't ever stop, you know, courting your husband and loving him. Okay? Keep it real. Keep it awesome. Okay? But 20 years, we're still growing. And it just gets better and better. That's the way it needs to be with God. Not, well, I've been married 28 years. I don't have to do it anymore. Told you I loved you once. Woman, do I need to tell you anymore? That don't make any sense, does it? No. Well, you get it. I could keep belaboring a point, but we need to pray and have a break. Lord Jesus, thank you for using me today to speak your word. Thank you, Lord, for what you did in giving rest and peace to this congregation. I expect a miracle in their lives, 
I expect, Lord, that they will sleep better than they ever have before. And I expect as we remain under construction that we will be who you've called us to be and what you want us to be in Jesus' mighty name. Would everybody say amen? amen. God bless you. Let's come back at the break. Please be here on time. We've got a very special opening with our Volunteer Appreciation Sunday. God bless you in Jesus' name.